Hi, welcome to the Bridge Podcasts. We hope you enjoy the following message. For more information on all that's happening at the Bridge Church, please visit www.bridge-church.com. I'm just going to go into a, a short message today, and I believe it's I believe it's going to bless you, and it brings some context to this baby dedication this morning. Um, and if uh, you're not familiar with a church like this, um, before I begin, it's just to say we are a non-denominational church. No matter who you are, no matter what your background is. Our prayer and our hope is that you simply have an encounter with Jesus when you're here and that your life will be blessed and enriched by God. And so um, we're thankful that we grow the church from the bottom up. So there's new life coming into the church by way of all these wonderful children. And this morning's message is called Born Into Purpose. And so I want to share this story with you, hoping it'll be relevant to your life and that it'll produce a spark in your spirit and that it'll bring you hope for the future. There's not a lot of hope going around these days. Things are looking pretty hopeless. And so a message of hope is important. And that's why we're here in Cowinning is to bring a message of faith, hope, and love. And no matter where you are in your journey of life, I think that um, this story will, will, will be relevant to you. Um, Natasha and Grant are going to be making some vows, some commitments later on. But really this morning's story is about purpose. And I think there, in the times that we're living in, there's many people, from what I can tell, who feel lost and without purpose. And some people need to regain a sense of purpose. Maybe they've lost their purpose in life. Or maybe it's a different season in life for you, and you've already achieved something or done something, and your purpose, that you, everything that you lived for has passed on, and now you're just sort of existing from day to day, week to week, year to year, not really knowing where you're going. My dad often says you're going along like a bump in a log. And... You know, maybe you've never actually discovered your purpose. Maybe you're sitting in this place today and you don't even care what your purpose is. But that can apply to anyone of any age in this building today. And so I'm talking about Jesus' birth into the world. And um, just uh, we probably know the Christmas story. The arrival of Jesus really threatened the reigning king at that time. And Herod said, you know what, I'm not going to have this. We're going to kill every male under two years old. And he sent a decree out throughout the land. And they um, slaughtered every wain under two years old. And so Joseph and Mary, Jesus' parents, they fled to Egypt. And they stayed there until this king passed away. And when the king passed away, they came back to Nazareth. And that's how we know we say Jesus of Nazareth, in Galilee. But you know, the Bible doesn't say much about Jesus' childhood. There's obviously the story of his birth, and we all know that, the three wise men and the star and all of that 
kind of thing. But there's nothing else mentioned about Jesus growing up. Except when, until you get to Luke chapter 2, when Jesus would have been about 12 years of age, a story comes to light. So Luke must have gone back to Nazareth at some point in time and started finding out information about Jesus. And he tells a story. So if you go in your, in, in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, verse 39, it says there in the New International Version, when Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, and he was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was on him. And every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem for the festival of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to their custom. After the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. So he, Jesus done a bunk, and they didn't know where he was. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled for a day and then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they didn't find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. And after three days, they found him in the courts of the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished and his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And can you picture this? Jesus turns around to them and says, why were you searching for me? He asked, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all of these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So here's this passage of scripture recounting the story of Jesus at 12 years old. So we find out a little bit about the relationship between this Jewish boy and his parents and how their relationships were about to change. Relationships change. Transition happens in life. What we, what we took for granted today, we may not be able to take for granted tomorrow. Things change. Now Joseph, he took his responsibilities as a father very seriously. He was devoted to his family. He was a faithful man, he was a religious man. And when the major festivals would come, he would make sure that he got his family to Jerusalem. So they would travel there. And the festival of the Passover is the major festival. So they would definitely have been there. They would not have missed that. So they have to go from Nazareth to Jerusalem. We're talking of a journey that could be over 100 kilometers. That's devotion for you, eh? You know... Um, some of us would be like, do you know what? We'll just hop in the car 
Well, there was nothing like that. They had to go by touring caravan with all the animals and all sorts of stuff. So they're preparing for this journey and they're going to travel for several days. So you can imagine the family being together. They get to Jerusalem and they've got to find accommodation somewhere. Jerusalem would have been absolutely packed. Absolutely packed. So here's Jesus, 12-year-old, with his mother and his adoptive father, Joseph, and all of his siblings. They're at the, the festival, and they'd be bringing offerings to the temple, and they'd be having a Passover meal. And um, the reason they were doing that was because they remembered God's deliverance for their people out of Egypt. So they were in slavery. So that was a very important thing. So the festival's going on. Once the festival's over, you can imagine the city is still completely crowded. And they're trying to get organized to leave this big family group. Now, anyone know what it's like, if, especially if you're lastminute.com, like, you know, some of us trying to go on holiday. And it's like, oh, have you got this? Have you got that? You can imagine, especially if you've got a big family. And they're trying to get organized, and there's a lot of commotion. But for some reason, Mary and Joseph have no idea that he's not with them. It's kind of like a home alone moment. You know, it's a, stop, you know, where is he? He's, where is he? Have you got him? No. Go and see auntie or uncle. Have you got, no, he's not here. You know, where, anyway, he was nowhere to be found. Now, the Bible says they're already gone a day. So they have to turn around and come back a day. And then they looked for Jesus for three days. Jesus, no communication at all. I don't know if the kids like that these days. No communication at all. Didn't leave a message with anyone. He wasn't, he wasn't at the lost and found center in the, the temple district. You know, I've lost my child. You go to the lost and found. He wasn't there. So here's these Here's his parents stressing out in one of the most densely populated cities of that time. I mean, it'd be worse than losing your kid at the Merrimus. You know, I mean, the stress. But eventually, they decided, we're going to go, we're going to, go to the temple. And you get the impression that that's the last place they thought they'd find this child. So they go to the temple. Lo and behold... He's in the center of the temple area, and he's speaking to the most senior religious rabbis and scholarly people of that time. Every leader of the day would have been in Jerusalem for Passover, and you can, can you imagine Mary and Joseph's faces? They would just have been a picture. There's 12-year-old there's Jesus in deep conversation with all of these very brilliant men. What is even more astonishing is that he shouldn't even have been there doing that. In Jewish culture, a 12-year-old boy does not mingle or get into conversation with his elders like that. It would, that would be, it's totally extraordinary. But here's Jesus. He's asking them questions. He's discussing things. He's sharing with them. And the, the amazing thing is they seem to be treating him as their equal having conversation with him, this 12-year-old boy. And the word tells us that they marveled at his understanding. So it was an extraordinary thing. Anyway, 
Mary and Joseph, they've still got this in their system. They'd have been highly emotional. They say to him, why have you treated us like this? We've been frantic with worry. And he gives them this really strange answer. He says, why were you searching for me? And it's as if to say, listen, why? We're your parents. Of course, (laughs) what else would we do? But he says, why are you searching for me? I've got to be in my father's house. I've got to be doing my father's business. And even though Mary and Joseph knew that Jesus was the son of God, they had an angelic visitation saying, you're going to conceive by the Holy Spirit. You're going to give birth to a child. They knew all of this. And they knew that Jesus was going to have a miraculous life. And they knew what it would mean for mankind. And they were caught completely off guard by this answer and this episode. But this marks the beginning of a transition when Jesus would begin to give signals that, do you know what? I've got a destiny. I've got a purpose. And they're stirring in me now, and I'm sig- these signals are going out. And um, how often do we look at our own children and pay attention to their stirrings? How often do we think about their destiny, what their purpose is, and how we've been given the immense privilege of bringing them up to steward them and to help them achieve their destiny and find their destiny. Amen. So Joseph and Mary, they had loved him, cared for him, been diligent with him. They'd raised him according to their tradition. And so they've played their part. And so Jesus is this very, very fine young man, 12 years old. In Hebrew culture, 13, you become a man. Now, just as a by-the-by, I teach in Ayrshire high schools. I've got nine schools that I teach in, different schools. And my mission there, apart from what I have to do, is to try and give young boys a message that they're entering manhood. That there's things that they have to begin to take seriously. And so, here's Jesus. And he can communicate with rabbis learned men, and it's because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in his life. He had no other grounds to hang out with these people. He shouldn't have been doing it. And he wasn't even from the priestly tribe. In, In Israel, there was the Levites. They were the priests. He wasn't even a Levite. He was from a different house, and here he is. But anyway, after all of this, He goes home to Nazareth with his parents, and the word tells us that he remained obedient to them. He was respectful to them. He accepts his responsibility. He was the eldest, remember? So he accepted his responsibility towards his family, and he spends further time in his craft with his father in the family business, all the while he's growing in his ability to carry out God's will. Finally, the passage tells us he grew in wisdom, which means he grew in knowledge. He grew in stature. He became mature. And he grew in favor with God and man. So he was well-liked. He had favor. And the reason I'm sharing this story with you today is to encourage you. If we choose to be connected to God's kingdom, which is eternal, it goes forever, 
This life is only, the Bible says this life is like a breath. One minute it's here, the next minute it's gone. But if we want to be connected with God's kingdom, sooner or later we're going to be faced with having to let something go so that destiny can be fulfilled. Now, it might be your destiny. It might be the destiny of someone that you love. But I want you to know that even though we might have to let something go, and Joseph and Mary knew that Jesus was going to go on into his destiny. They couldn't protect him from the world. They couldn't protect him forever. But God has something wonderful in store for the future of those who would be obedient to his will. And perhaps it's his will that today you might be sitting here with something in your past. Maybe it's time you let that go. Maybe it's time to let that go and let a breakthrough come and let a new beginning begin. And so that's the encouragement I want to give this morning. This story gives us the idea that there's a tension between earthly existence and heavenly calling. And you might be sitting in this place today and you've never been in a church before. You couldn't care less. And you, you don't care about all that Christianity stuff. Well, I've only got one purpose, and that's to preach the gospel and to say that Jesus loves you. And he has a place for you in his kingdom. And... You know, I was brought up as a Roman Catholic, went to a convent, got kicked out when I got too old. And, and, you know, I grew up not really knowing just how important a relationship with Jesus Christ is. And so there's always a tension between living on this earth and then feeling that tug in your spirit saying there's more. There's more beyond this life. There's more. And this, also, this story also tells us that respect and obedience is an important principle of the New Testament. Family life is complex. Who can raise their hand and testify to that? And parents don't always get it right. They make mistakes. They don't always get things right. But Jesus demonstrated humility and respect for his parents. So if you're a young person in this place, in fact, it doesn't matter what age you are, if you still have a mother and father, Humility and respect and honor is important. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1 to 4 says, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and your mother. It's the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father, if you honor your mommy and your daddy, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way that you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. You know, when we read that passage in Luke earlier today, there was no rebellion there. Jesus just was fully assured of who he was, what his destiny was, and what his purpose was. And he was born for a purpose. Amen. And as we are sitting here as parents and grandparents, there's something that we need to know that's more important than anything else, that it's part of our responsibility to help these young people find their identity in Christ, to, fight, to know who they are, who created them, 
and that they have a purpose to live for so that we don't mold them into something that serves our needs, but we release them into the world to bear fruit. Amen. Parenting is valuable. Parenting is important. And uh, Joseph and Mary, they parented Jesus with such grace, knowing that he had a mission to go on, and they supported him. And finally, there's the importance of one other thing in that story, the temple. The meeting place, a place of sacrifice, a place, a central place for people to go, for our children to go, to be a part of a community that desires to see people flourish and prosper. And that is what this church is all about. So purpose, as I close off before we're going to do our dedication just now, purpose. There's so many factors that can define who and what we are. But when we discover our purpose, especially our God-given purpose, and we let that purpose shape and define who we are, you will live a fulfilling life. If you feel like life's empty, if you feel like life is just hanging together by a thread, and life is tough, when you get your God-given purpose, you'll live a fulfilled life and you'll live a life that is pleasing to God, and you'll be a blessing to the world around you. Amen. And Jesus knew his purpose. In 1 John 3, he says, For this purpose has the Son of God been manifest, to destroy the works of the evil one. Jesus never came to earth to destroy people. He came to earth to destroy the works of the enemy. He wasn't born to destroy people. He was born to destroy evil works. He was born to bring truth and light into the world, and he was born to die for you and for me that we might be saved. And he stayed true to that purpose. He stayed committed to the very end because he loves you. If you're sitting in this place this morning, Jesus loves you dearly. He loves you dearly. Thanks for listening. Remember to visit our website, www.bridge-church.com and connect with us via Facebook and Twitter.